We are continuing our series on prayer, and uh, today we will look at Hannah's prayer, and the worship leader, when he came in the morning, he said, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, is there any connection between Hannah's prayer and Palm Sunday? That also we will see towards the end, uh, whether we'll be able to connect Hannah's prayer with Palm Sunday. Because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And this is the first case of a woman having a spiritual encounter. We saw Abraham's prayer, Jacob's prayer, Moses' prayer. And today is the first time we are talking about a woman's encounter with God. Uh, so it's not only for women both men and women can learn a lot from Hannah's prayer. We can learn Hannah's prayer under three headings. Hannah's pain, Hannah's heart, and Hannah's song. Hannah's pain, Hannah's heart, and Hannah's song. You can read the complete story uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2, we are not going through the complete story, but let me briefly narrate the story. There was a man whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was Hannah and the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. At the outset itself, let me clarify, God does not approve a man having more than one wife. Let me clarify that. Uh, the Bible all through portrays polygamy, that is having more than one spouse, has a horrible family all through, if you read the Bible. Just because it is in the Bible, it doesn't mean God approves that. Elkanah's family too was in a horrible state. We will see that. Elkanah's family was a religious family because the Bible says every year they visited uh, Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. They were very religious. After the sacrifice, Elkanah gave a double portion of the meat to Hannah. Obviously, this will provoke Penina. So what Penina will do? She will irritate Hannah. And this went on year after year. At home too, Penina kept provoking Hannah. And all just for the sake of irritating her. That was her motive. So one can imagine Hannah's life condition, living under a roof like that, where every day one is being ridiculed and mocked. That's what's happening in Hannah's life. Day in and day out, Hannah was jealous of Hannah and hence kept provoking her 
till she wept and would not eat this went on for years uh, we all know this story now let us examine the reasons for hannah's pain hannah's pain is described in first samuel verse chapter 1 verse 10 it says in her deep anguish hannah prayed to the lord weeping bitterly uh, if you read the voice version it will say she was heartbroken and she began to pray to the eternal one weeping uncontrollably as she did in the in the hebrew language it reads like this hannah was very bitter in bitterness of soul she cried out loud why was hannah bitter in her soul what was the reason that she was so bitter in her soul we might say because she did not have a child you know if it's partly true if you look at hannah's life from the 21st century context then we will not understand the story at all it is okay for a new believer who has just come to the lord for him to understand the story like that it is okay if you want to understand the real meaning and significance of this passage then we need to understand the context in which this happens in ancient times a woman's barrenness had several implications for example a family's financial condition was dependent on the number of children they had more the children more the labor force more the labor force more the productivity more the productivity more the family income it's very simple it is like if you had more children it's like having a job in a multinational company let's be very clear this was the context in which hana lived so the economic status of a family was dependent on the number of children now not only economic status what about old age security they did not have pension or any social security scheme you know if you are thinking about your old age then you need to have children to take care of you in your old age and in those days the infant mortality was very high you know out of 10 probably about 4 or 5 children grew to adulthood so you can understand their condition and their very old age security was dependent on the number of children now besides that the tribe to which they belonged they expected every woman to produce more children why if you produce less children and if your neighboring tribes they have more children more children means more fighting force so 
something it's okay uh, more children you have more fighting force so the tribe also will become weak if a woman produces only less number of children more the children bigger the army if the one tribe if they have a bigger force you can give me some other check check uh, if if one tribe had a larger army you can hear me uh, and the other tribe had a smaller army then they you know they will come they will just you know colonize them they will take them as slaves they will treat them as servants so it is a life and death issue those days so if you are only thinking about barrenness from 21st century context we don't understand the story at all so more children contributed to a stronger military force now it is not just hana having a child it is her economic status it is her old age security it is the military strength of her tribe all these factors were playing in her life so a woman who had more children had enormous respect from her society you know her, a woman's worth came because of the number of children it is her phd more the number of children you know she had more worth and her old age old age was secured she was safe in the old age you know somebody is there to take care of her and further she had emotional fulfillment too so in that culture hana had no purpose and meaning in life she had no purpose and meaning because she was barren i hope you are able to visualize you are able to put yourself in hana's place now we might say that the ancient culture was very oppressive listen to me very carefully we we in the 21st century we might say the ancient culture was very oppressive it is not true one successful muslim uh, muslim woman who had escaped from iran to france she was a very success she is a successful professional woman she was asked by a western journalist isn't your culture very oppressive you know she replied in the muslim countries they force women to cover their bodies and in the western countries they treat women as a piece of meat i can go on that the cultural implications but what she said is as a fact we need to understand every culture is oppressive every culture is oppressive that is the reason as a gospel centered church 
our focus is on the gospel message. It is not only the gospel message will transform our lives. It will also transform the culture in and through our lives. We, we have to understand this. If we don't understand this, we will just remain as cultural Christians. We can remain as cultural Christians, bring all the cultural practices inside the church and be as cultural Christians. God has not saved you and me to be a cultural Christian. When Jesus said, follow me, it is following Christ. I am not saying everything out is wrong, but you cannot say that everything out is right. So every culture is oppressive. Now, how does a culture oppresses us? I'll just give you a small you know, example. Every culture puts certain good things in front of you. You know, both in front of men and women. It's not only women and men. What are those good things? For example, money, property, education, marriage, family, children, caste, good look. They're all good things. Okay. Uh, you can, we can talk about that. Then it says, you know what the culture says? If you don't have money, you are nothing. If you don't have children, you are nothing. If you are not married, you are nothing. You have no significance. If you don't study in so-and-so place, you are nothing. This is how culture enslaves us. You know, this is how we also give importance. Importance to what? Education, money. They're all good things. I never said they're bad things. Family, all the focuses, family, children, success, professional glory, and all this. If we are not careful, you will start building your self-worth around these things. My self-worth is because I have this. My self-worth is because I have money. My self-worth is because I'm driving in a car like this. My self-worth is because I have a job in so-and-so company. Your self-worth does not come from these things. They enslave you. These things enslave you. Hannah has been enslaved by these very same things. And if you are not careful, we with all our good intentions, we will also crush others. When we make these good things as our very identity, they will crush us to the ground. And if we don't understand where we have to place all these things, we with all our good intentions, we will crush others to the ground. We need to understand that. When we make good things as the ultimate, when we make, I'm not talking about bad things. If we make good things as the ultimate, then it becomes an idol in our lives.
whatever is more important than God, it becomes an idol in our life. Whatever, however good it is, whatever is more important than God, it becomes an idol in your life. It could be my own reputation, my ministry, my wife, my children, whatever it is. If I make it more important, my health, if I make it more important than God, it becomes an idol in our life. I hope it's just you're able to uh, think about these things. I know it's, it'll be challenging, but as a gospel-centered church, we are here to preach and practice the gospel. It may be displeasing, it may be difficult, but that is what the Bible teaches us. And we will also see from Hannah's story. As I said earlier, the Bible says Elkanah's family was a religious family because they went to Shiloh year after year to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. On one such visit to Shiloh, Hannah realized she had idols in her heart. So what did she do? Hannah realized she was bitter in her heart, which made her bitter against God. She was bitter in her heart, which made her bitter against God. You know, when we become bitter with our situations, with our failures, with our reputation, with what people say about us, what the society say about us, then unknowingly, then we will start questioning God's wisdom. God, where are you? I heard you're a good God, you're a great God. Where are you now? This is what is happening. You know, we need to be very careful. All of us have problems disappointments and challenges all of us if you are if you are true if you are human beings this is part of our living in a broken world we we face all this we have problems we have disappointments we have suffering this is part of our existence once you are a human being don't say that you know i don't want this it's part of our very existence but when they become bitter, when your worth comes because I don't have this, my self-worth comes because I don't have this, then it comes in the way of our relationship with God. So Hannah realized that. And let me um, explain this a little better. Years ago, Hannah, Hannah's great, 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 great grandmother. Years ago, you all know Sarah. When Sarah was bitter, you know what she did? She kicked out Hagar out of her house. You remember that story? Sarah was bitter in her heart. And that's, but Hannah was bitter, okay? But Hannah did not do what, her, what Sarah did. So Hannah's approach is different. Hannah was bitter. We know the reason for her pain. Now we'll see what Hannah does. Hannah's heart. 
Hannah, Hannah recognized that her misery and unhappiness had become sin. She has recognized that. You know, when we make our misery and unhappiness, when we dwell on that, our failures, we dwell on that, our disappointments, we dwell on that, you know, it becomes sin. She felt she was being controlled by grief. Have you heard people saying, I'm trying my best, but I'm unable to forget this. I'm trying to, you know, forget and go to bed. I'm not getting sleep. Have you heard? Because it's controlling them. So Hannah felt she was being controlled by her grief. You know, when we are controlled by anything other than God, we can never live to our full potential. It could be our grief. It could be my spouse. It could be my children. It could be my achievements. It could be my job. It could be my reputation. It could be my friends. Anything which controls our life, you know, apart from God, when we are controlled by anything apart from God, we cannot live to our full potential. How do we know that? You know, this is a very beautiful passage in the Hebrew language. In 1 Samuel 1.9, it says, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. You know, if you read it in Greek, in Hebrew language, if you try to understand the story, it is, it is extraordinary literary priest. Till now, it is the story of Hannah. Till now, Hannah had not spoken one word, not even a word from her mouth. The narrator does not record even one word from Hannah's mouth. It is all about Hannah. But now for the first time we hear, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. The Hebrew Bible says, Hannah rose up. When Hannah rose up means she decided to take some action. She decided, you know, she is being controlled by something else other than God. Now I'm not going to remain passive. I'm going to take some action. How do we know this? This is how she thinks. Because we can make this, we can tell that she decided to take some action from her prayer. You know, modern people say that whatever you have the deep desires, you should speak it out. Okay, the old generation people will say, conservatives, they will say, you know, whatever deep desires you have, you just keep it within yourself, you bury it. Okay, what the Bible teaches us is, Neither you speak it out, nor you suppress, you bring it into the presence of God. Whatever deep desires that's there, bring it into the presence of God. That is the right approach. So Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Hannah's prayer is there only in one verse. Just one verse. 1 Samuel 1, 11. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant 
but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Uh, the message version puts like this. Then she made a vow. Oh, God of the angel armies, I will take a good, if you will take a good hard look at my pain, if you will quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I will give him completely unreservedly to you I will set him apart for a life of holy discipline. You know, when we read in English Bible, uh, I think we miss out that uh, because in Hebrew language, uh, it is basically, it says, um, it's a word Yahweh Shabbat. That's the word that is there. You know, in, in English Bible, we read as Lord Almighty. In Tamil Bible, it talks about Seneglin Kartave, O God of the angel armies. You know, see her prayer. She starts, you know, she knows her God, who her God is. He is Yahweh Shabbat. He is the God, God of the angel armies. He knows that. She knows that. She says, O God. You are an awesome God. You are not only a powerful, omnipotent God. You are not only a God who created the entire world. You are also the God who sustains your creation. And also I know you are very, very tender in your heart. That is Yahweh Shabbat. Oh Lord, I know I am a single woman here weeping, I'm broken, I'm crying, but I know you are mindful of me. That is Yahweh Shabbat. When she says Yahweh Shabbat, she realizes that God is one who is tender in his heart. He is a merciful God. The entire world may ignore me, neglect me, but I know my God, he will not neglect me because he is watching over me. And when she cries like that, she knows her God. That's what she knows that. And she cries out to God. Then Hannah makes a vow. I said, her prayer is there only in one verse. You know, what is the vow? If she were to have a child, she will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Not for few days, not for few months, not for few years, but all the days of his life. She does not belong to a priestly family. Let's be very clear about it. She prays, no razor will be ever used on his head which means he will be a Nazarite. And as a Nazarite, you can take a vow for a few months, few years, but here she says, all the days of his life, oh Lord, I'll give him to you. A Nazarite must refrain from strong drinks. I hope you all are aware about it. And no razor should touch his head. No uh, the cutting of hair was not allowed. In addition to that, 
Numbers 6, 6 to 7 says, throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. Hannah knew that. Hannah, Hannah knows fully well what she's doing here. If you think this was a very simple prayer, no, it was not a simple and easy prayer. You know, at Shiloh, what Hannah did was she sacrificed that which enslaved her to the Lord. All these days, she was enslaved by the idol of the world. If you can, if you can just follow this carefully, all these days, she wanted a child because that will give her financial status, economic status. It will give her security in her old age. It will also give uh, you know, some kind of understanding in the tribe, in the society. That is the reason she wanted to have a child. And it is because of those reasons she was enslaved. But now, what Hannah says is, all my life, I wanted a child for myself. But now I want to have a child for you. She's telling God, all these days, I want to have a child for me. But now I want to have a child for you. Does it look very simple? Too often, we use God as a means to achieve our end. Is it true? Too often, we use God as a means to achieve our ends. I want this. Oh God, God is only a means. I want this. I want God because I want this. But here Hannah says, child is a means to fulfill God's mission. She's not having a child for herself. She's going to have a child for God's sake. That's what she says here. How often? I know this example must be very difficult. So what I'm telling must be very difficult. So I need to give you an example for you to relate to Hannah's situation. How often do we consider our job as a means to fulfill God's mission? We can use God as a means to get our job, to get a promotion, to get good marks, to get visa, to get achievements, accomplishments, everything. We can use God as a means to get those things. You know, how often do we consider our job as a means to fulfill God's mission? That's not the purpose of my life. You know, when education becomes important, God is not the priority. Our exams are priority. We can pray. 
but God becomes a means. It, it, for everything, you know, I can give example after example to say how we use God as a means. But here Hannah says, now you give me a child, oh God, I'll give him to your mission. What is that mission? The moment she said that, in 1 Samuel 1.18, it says, then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Hannah had no assurance that she will become pregnant. When she said that prayer, she had no assurance. No angel stood there and said, oh, yes, God has heard your prayer. No. But the moment she gave away her idols to God, and made God as her God, she, her face was no longer downcast. When she handed over her grief to the Lord, the Bible says her face was no longer downcast. Her situation had not changed even one inch. Her situation had not changed. But something happened internally. She was liberated from the current idolatry system. I said, every culture is oppressive. And she was liberated from the, the current idolatry system. Your worth comes because of this. The world says, but God doesn't say that. The Bible says in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. How many times do we ask something for God? How many times do we say prayer for God's sake? I want this for you, not for me, for you. You give me one day, Lord. That's for you, not for me, not for anyone else, but Lord, for your mission. After the boy was weaned, she returned to the house of the Lord at Shiloh and handed him over to Eli the priest. This boy was Samuel, the first of the great Old Testament prophets. I can go about talking about Samuel and his significance in the history of Israel or in the history of God's story. I can go about that. But we don't have time. Finally, we come to Hannah's song. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. If any mother thought her child was precious, it was Hannah. But she knew her role in his life will only be temporary. She knew that. When we see Hannah rejoice in the Lord, and she says, I find strength. She finds strength. You know, not in the child, not in what she sees. She finds strength 
in one and the only permanent thing in our lives that is god she finds strength not in samuel not in her situation but in god he is the only one permanent unchanging thing in this in our lives then it goes on in first samuel 2 6 to 8 you can read this entire chapter the lord brings death and makes alive he brings down to the grave and raises up the lord sends poverty and wealth he humbles and he exalts he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap he seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor you know god is the one who reverses things god always specializes if you have you know bible is a very interesting book you know even if you want to just examine out of curiosity you know god always works you know in the lives of people who are weak who are barren you know the society discards them society mocks at them and god works you know in and through those women if you see sarah if you see even rachel she didn't have a child isaac had to pray and you see here hannah hannah didn't have a child hannah didn't have a child you see samson's mother you know you can go on and go on god is the one who reverses god is the one whose eyes are on those who are weak hungry you know those who have been whom the society thinks good for nothing god's eyes are on those people they are special in god's eyesight hana understood behind every condition and situation listen to this carefully behind every condition and situation whether it is physical or spiritual the lord's creative power is at work and it is not hers it is not we produce it is god produces in us you know god creates in us that hunger and thirst for all of us she rejoiced in that knowledge and she was liberated she was so happy she rejoiced in that one knowledge is god let him have what he wants to do let him do whatever he wants to do when hannah made god and his purpose as the center of our life when she made god as the center and the purpose of her life she was able to give birth to one of the great old testament prophets till such time she was barren so long as she wanted a child for herself she was barren but when god made lord when hana made it is your purpose it's your mission you know she gave birth to one of the great old testament prophets today is the palm sunday how do we apply this message to us hana suffered hana went through 
that disgrace people mocked at her made fun of her she made they made her life miserable it is in and through her suffering god brought forth one of the great old testament prophets today as people all over the world they celebrate the palm sunday jesus is entering jerusalem and few days from now you will read in the scriptures that jesus will be taken out of jerusalem he will not be crucified within the city walls city boundaries he will be taken outside the city he will undergo humiliation he will be mocked he will be insulted so that he can give birth to you and me it is that suffering that he underwent that has given us new birth that is your salvation your salvation has not come out easily your salvation has come because jesus walked out of jerusalem in weakness he suffered he was mocked at he was insulted because he can give birth to you and me he has given birth to you and me to tell us you are here on god's mission not on your mission you are not here to do things for yourself your job is not for you it is a means by which you glorify your god your children are not your property it's a means to glorify god you don't own we don't own anything in this world because we are owned by god we think our self worth comes because i drive in such a such a big car you are a miserable person you have not understood what jesus has done for you you think my you know my reputation matters my self worth what people say about me no i have not understood the pain that jesus underwent to give birth to me to give me a new birth this has not come easily we hold on to the idols of the world and we think they give me the self worth we hold on to these idols let it be money let it be accomplishment achievements and we say that all we of course we sing we lay it all down at your feet we sing that but deep down in our heart we still enjoy those idols it gives us pleasure till christ does not the very name of christ should give us pleasure the very name of jesus should give us pleasure it is not what i have achieved what i have accomplished what i have the very name of jesus should give us pleasure because he suffered and gave birth to you and me that's what he has suffered this prayer is not about what i can get for me hannah's prayer is not about what i can get for me 
Hannah's prayer is all about how I can dedicate myself for God's purpose. Where are you in your spiritual life today? What is important in your life? What do you think is most important? Even to your children, what you consider as important, that's what you'll give them. Will you give them Jesus? Will you give them success? You know, you can't give Jesus plus something. You have to be very clear. Jesus is the most important person. The rest all will fall in its place. My job, my promotion, my health, my wealth, everything can fall in its place. Jesus is the most important person. He gave birth in and through his weakness and sufferings. And here I am. I dedicate my life to him completely. Give me one second, Lord. I will live for you. Give me one minute, Lord. I will praise you. Give me one day, Lord. I will work for you. Give me thousand rupees. I'll give it to you, God. What is holding on? The idols of the world, they have a grip over our lives. This is what we have been taught by our culture. And this is what we call as cultural Christians. If we want that hunger and passion and fire for Jesus, you have to recognize the cultural idols that enslave you. You and I are destined for a glorious life. Hannah had no idea that she's going to give birth to Samuel. If an angel had come and told years ago, you know, you just be patient. One day you will give birth and that man, you know, your child will be the greatest prophet. Hannah had no idea. You and I will have no idea what God will do, you know, when we hand over our lives to God. Everything we have, our life, our health, our wealth, our reputation, everything, we just give it to God. Oh, God. You know, it is, it's quite beautiful in the, in the English language. It just says, I'm a slave. Uh, in, in a thrice, you know, Hannah will say that, you know, you know, thrice in that one simple verse in prayer, you know, I am your slave. Hannah knew God and she knows I am your servant. Thrice she will say, I'm only your servant. Do we really think that we are servants of God? Or we say only pastor is a servant of God. Do we think that we are only servants of God? If you have understood your salvation, you will understand that you are a servant of God. It's a privilege to be a servant of this great God who suffered and who has given us this new birth. This morning, will you open your hearts and say, Lord, forgive me. For I've always used you as a means. My failures, my accomplishment, they are not going to have a grip over me. They are not going to enslave me. Lord, I give myself to you. I'm here for your mission. I may be a teacher. I may be a doctor. I may be a homemaker. I may be a social worker. I may be a pastor. 
but Lord, I am for you. Do what you want. I'm here for your mission. Till you understand how you have received that new birth. Unless you understand the pain, if you understand Hannah's pain, multiplied by infinite times, that is the pain Jesus underwent to give birth to you and me. If Hannah's pain is so bad, multiply that by infinite times, Jesus underwent, few days from now, he'll be taken out of Jerusalem to be crucified so that he can give birth to you and me. Does it move you? If that doesn't move you, nothing else can move us. If that pain of Jesus doesn't move us, it is the idols of the world which has a grip over us. Why it doesn't move us? We are still enarmored by the idols of the world. What culture says good, we are enarmored by those things. We consider that is my self-worth. That is not our self-worth. Gospel has the power to change us internally. And it doesn't happen in one day. It happens constantly, continually. It happens in our life. That's why Paul writing to the Romans, he says, faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Not about human beings. It is not my story which will make you strong. It is the story of Jesus. The power is in the message. The gospel has the power to transform us, to transform your workplace. Gospel has the power to transform the culture outside. Gospel has the power to transform this world. Till we understand that power, we will be cultural Christians. Let's come out of that. As a gospel, it has been our focus. It's our 13th year. We have all from day one, we have not, we are not here to make it as a big place. You know, we are not interested in advertising ourselves. We are here only for three reasons. Salvation, worship, discipleship, nothing more than that. Will you join with us and take part? in what God wants to do in and through your life. Your life is precious. We always, we have received each one of you gently with great respect because God has a plan for each one of your life. God has a plan for each one of your life. And that is a great and significant life. Don't settle down for what the world throws at you not the world. God said, Lord, you gave me birth out of that suffering and weakness. And you were ridiculed, mocked. It is not the Jewish people they mocked Jesus. It is our sins that mocked at him, that humiliated him. And he suffered all that so that he can give birth 
to you and me. He has been patient with all of us. I just stand in awe of God. Today we sang that amazing grace. I'm amazed. Really, I'm amazed. God has been patient with me. The more I understand myself, I stand in awe of God's patience. I'm sure that'll be a testimony for each one of us. This morning, will you say that, Lord, I dedicate my life. I want to live for your mission. I'm not saying you leave your job. No, not at all. I was in a job. No, we can serve God in the job. But don't use God as a means to get promotion in your job. Use your job as a means to fulfill God's mission. Shall you look to the Lord in prayer? Will you take a little time to reflect on what you have heard? Those who are watching online, will you take some time to reflect? Have you been enslaved by the idols of the world? <clears throat> Did you ask something that you can keep it for yourself? Hannah's prayer is not meant for asking something to keep it for ourselves. When we keep God's blessing to ourselves, it becomes an idol. It enslaves us. You and I have been called to be a blessing to this world, to a multitude of people. You and I are to be part of God's mission. Are you ready to give yourself completely today? Lord, everything I have, whatever health I have, whatever time I have, whatever money I have, whatever talents I have, use it for your glory to accomplish your mission, O oh Lord. My focus will be your mission. If you have given me a car, let me use it to bless others. Let's not hold on to God's blessings. Let's look at the cross and just meditate on the suffering that he underwent so that he can give birth to you and me. Hannah suffered so that she could give birth to Samuel. Jesus suffered infinitely more than what Hannah suffered so that he can give birth, new birth, to you and me. Today, whatever is holding you, enslaving you, will, it play, will you place it at the altar and say, Lord, take these idols I don't want. All I want is you, Lord. Here I am your servant. I yield myself. I surrender myself. Abba Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for ministering to each one of us. 
We just submit our lives into your hands. Have your way in our lives. Holy Spirit, you bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.